When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This story of me almost getting kidnapped by Russian separatists did first air on YouTube. Like, I cut this as a video with... Uh, maps and pictures and photos of of me like on the trip and everything from when I was 23 years old and and all that uh, I cut that all together as a video it's on the podcast Nick YouTube channel but I realize not everybody you know signed up to to watch my YouTube channel some people just are seriously like they listen to podcasts at work there's a reason why I got into podcasting so for for that audience I also just took the audio from that and put it here on this feed. And it's kind of, uh, I got several crazy stories, but this one is really one I wanted to immortalize. I'm, I'm sure I'll enjoy watching this when I'm like old and retired and just shaking my head at how dumb I was when I was younger. Anyways, um, yeah, this is it. Here it is. time it's story time see i've had some adventures i've seen some history and in this story i do a series of very stupid events which almost got me kidnapped by russian separatists this is that story i was surprised how often this happens apparently honestly my bad though it was their territory i had no visa and it was kind of on me i guess and so i don't come off as the complete idiot i am at least in this story i dress kind of smart Really though, had I gotten taken, I kind of totally would have had it coming. So let's backtrack and take this back to the beginning of my first and only Eastern European trek. I discovered Moldova. But wait. So it's 2005, the year Travis Dow discovered Moldova. This was also the year I moved to the Czech Republic and went to the Ukraine as a sort of Yiddish translator. I do not speak Yiddish. Well, kind of, I guess. I mean, I understand did kind of work. I, I understand it kind of sometimes. But when I agreed to go to the Ukraine, I did not know this. And the idea was to help someone find their long lost relatives and try to help communicate with these Ukrainians. In any case, when I was asked uh, if I could maybe do this, I did not think I could, or I did not know I could. But I was naive enough to say, hell with it. Let's figure it out the hard way. <laughs> And that little part of the story is important because I don't think I'm the same person I used to be right after graduating college. 
but the naive enough part to have done it is important. None of these cool adventures could have happened to me now, I guess, maybe. I'd like to think, in a way. The whole thing was dumb. I moved to Prague with two nights in a hotel and a return ticket for three months. This is... If you know me, it's kind of a famous story, I guess, but I instantly just found a place to live, and then my roommates helped me figure out, like, how to teach English and German by getting a TEFL, which is Teaching English as a Foreign Language Certificate. So, it's been, like, all my savings uh, taking a one-month TEFL course, which they really... they were good. They no longer exist, so they don't need my plug. Um, but they were fantastic. And with two of those classmates, one Canadian and one girl from Brooklyn, we decided to do a little bit of traveling, being just like first month in the Czech Republic and, you know, wanting to go see the world. And I know moving to Prague and teaching English is kind of a cliche, like after I had bought the tickets, uh, but before I went already, I was still in college, uh, the family guy like made fun of that or, or referenced that. And I was like, uh oh, this is a thing. But yeah, it's totally a thing, moving to Prague and teaching English. Not anymore, but in 2005 it was. Don't try it now, you'll, you'll just fail. But I also taught German, so I'm unique and special. Plus, Mr. Rogers told me I was, so. In any case, in this TEFL class one time, we were kinda, first it was me and the girl from Brooklyn, we're talking about heading towards the Ukraine to find her relatives. And I remember drawing out a map on a napkin. Like, this is, this is important because I like to think I'm good at geography. So, Europe? Yeah, no problem. From here to, like, the Ukraine? Sure. So you got Prague, you got then Slovakia, probably have to change trains in Bratislava, and then on to Budapest, and we stayed there a couple nights, and then on to the Ukraine. And then I was drawing on my map, and I was like, okay, then we go to the Black Sea, that's in the Ukraine, so we just go down to Odessa, and then from there we go over to Romania, and then we'll go check out Bucharest, and then back to Vienna, which is near Bratislava, and home to Prague. That was the idea. If you just followed along and you do know your geography, <laughs> I forgot about a country. So that's how we ended up three days in Moldova. It was fun, but mostly it sucked. Because we couldn't stay in hotels. Turns out we entered the country illegally, had to stay in beds in the train station where the shower smelled like sulfur, and we smell like rotten eggs from here out in the story. That's, that's kind of important to know. So what did happen? What was the event? So first of all, uh, we made it to the Ukraine. We found the relatives, which was a whole nother story. I do okay in Yiddish. Turns out growing up in Bavaria does actually kind of work with Yiddish. The person I went with spoke Hebrew. So that's actually how we figured out the Cyrillic alphabet was she had, they had a psalm book in Hebrew and then Hebrew but Russian characters, like or Ukrainian, you know, Cyrillic characters, and then in Ukrainian, so we could kind of reverse engineer the alphabet that way from Hebrew, not from English, from Hebrew. That is a side story. And then in the Odessa, we bought a map, finally. So then we found out, oh, so in Odessa, um, we asked for a ticket to Bucharest, and they said, oh, but you got to stop overnight in Chisinau. Chisinau, Chisinau, depending on if you, if it's German or English, Chisinau, Kisinau, maybe. Um, but yeah, I've heard Czechs and so many people pronounce it Kisinau, I guess. But anyways, you have to go there, change trains, and then go on to Bucharest. Cool. The reason <laughs> I kind of pause at this point in the story because I feel like. The person in Odessa, the Ukraine, that sold us this train ticket could have given us a warning. Maybe. But her English was really bad, so I understand why she didn't. Kind of. Not to say I forgive her, but off we go. In, on a kind of technically passenger car. Like, we've had our rough rides of, by this point, like the worst 
train rides of my life and worst bus rides are all in this one story, like all within the Ukraine pretty much. Um, the Ukraine is a weird place. We stayed in some villages, obviously, where the relatives were. So we didn't go to like, uh, I mean, we went through like um, Lvov and Odessa is really cool. Like Odessa is a kind of normal modern city. But some of these villages, like they shut off the electricity at 5 p.m. because only workers need it. You don't need electricity at home. So we're at a bar drinking lukewarm beer, wondering why it's warm. And then they bring out candles at like 4.55 and we're like, oh, that's nice. And then all the power goes off and we're like, oh, that's nice. So not to mention they have like five, five minutes of hot water in the morning or something like there just is no, cause there's no electricity at night. So there's no hot water at night. You know, Ukraine's an interesting place. We saw like kids huffing stuff. Like seriously, you know, it's kind of sad, but that that's the way that is there. That's a whole nother adventure. My Yiddish uh, translating stories and all that. It's, that's good, t good stuff. But we get on a train <laughs> to Bucharest, but uh, so spoiler alert, I never, I've never been to Bucharest. Maybe I should say that. I've never been to the, I've been to the Romanian border. So we get on this passenger train, quote unquote, because it's kind of all bench seats, uh, like wooden bench, like super uncomfortable with like boxes of bananas and produce and stuff and like partially cargo, partially people. And a guy comes up, tells us we can't sit here. We got to go to a, it, the train at this point is overfilled and you, we can't sit here. We have to go to a different car because we're in the, like, so finally, you know, there's a 12 year old girl that walks up and translates. And she explains to us, we're in the VIP like movie car. And oh yeah, like way, like in the corner of the car, not legible or even visible, is an old CRT TV playing a Jackie Chan movie in Chinese with Ukrainian subtitles. So we asked her like, is there, can we just upgrade? Is there any way we can just bribe this guy straight up and just like stay here? Cause we're not moving, like, we were exhausted. Uh, just from, <laughs> we thought we were exhausted. We would be way worse off in a couple days, but this, we already just like from bus rides of hell and everything, days on end in Ukraine and uh, trying people trying to rip us off and people ripping us off and that's a whole other story. So we, yeah, so we get on this train and finally it's like, yeah, it's gonna be like, whatever, a billion lays. Nah, it was like 12 lays for three of us or something to stay there. And we're like, oh no, what's 12 lays? And we're like, we had no cash, like zero. We brought check crown, I think we brought, yeah, we brought Ukrainian money and we brought kind of, cash along the way. Not even really, because the thing to do is don't go to the bank and exchange money and never exchange dollars in Europe. You take your card, your debit card, you go to an ATM and you get the local currency. It's that simple. Every exchange place in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, is a total ripoff. So definitely do not go to exchange places in Europe. Do not bring cash to Europe. What's wrong with you? Debit card. It's the 21st century, all right? So yeah, d that's what we did. Even in Eastern Europe, you just find like Bancomat, Bancomat, even in Moldova, you know, you don't need, anyways. So uh, that's a whole nother, nother thing. But I did have five euros, like emergency money and like in the, like a belt, you know, like super paranoid um, belt wallet kind of deal. And I found that, like we were about to move and I found that and like, yay. And he gives us like, the change was like 80 lays. So we're like, oh. So we got, you know, the whole hubbub, of like 20 minutes of going back and forth and finding a 12 year old that could translate English and everything was over like a Euro 20, okay? Or some, something like that. So we got to stay. And so that was cool. And by the way, now they kind of knew us on the train because we had to deal with the person that was trying to kick us out to the other thing, to the other car and the 12 year old girl and like everybody else around. That was, and people were like standing, like trying to, like waiting for us to move so they could take our seats, you know? But no, we just enjoyed our Jackie Chan movie in Russian and um, stayed put. 
until we get to the border. Oh my god, so there's fun facts about crossing the former Soviet Union border. One is that all of Europe has like a single train gauge, train track gauge, but in Eastern Europe, the Soviet Union is a little bit wider. And there's a joke related to that, but it's not appropriate. I don't know who my audience is yet. But yeah, it's, it's um, and they're just sitting there chilling. And it's like a whole three hour affair and they put it onto a different chassis that's made for the Soviet Union or, you know, Ukraine, Moldova. Um, and this is not including Warsaw Pact. So like uh, Poland and Czechoslovakia, so Czech Republic and Slovakia and Yugoslavia and those countries, Yugoslavia, I don't know. They always did their own thing. Um, but they were like regular Western European trains because um, Russia was the weird one, odd one out. They didn't take over the Warsaw Pact until after World War II. That's a whole nother thing. But anyway, so the so there's a, like you can tell when you're going into the former Soviet Union, you can tell like the border from Hungary to the Ukraine is like, oh, these used to all be communist countries, but oh, <laughs> like welcome to the Soviet Union. It's like, it's surreal and kind of scary and computers were not a thing in 2005 yet. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of like, you can definitely tell. We get to this border and there was a way you could tell that something wasn't up because suddenly they're wearing hats like this. This is kind of weird because it was straight up like not hats like this, but like this hat with like a hammer and sickle and a red star and shit. And, and it's like, yeah, the, the full on Soviet green uniforms with red stars and hammers and sickles and stuff. And instantly we knew this isn't good. Especially if there was any doubt, it was because their voices ray, they grabbed our passports and started yelling at the conductor. I don't know, is it a conductor? Conductor? The guy that checks the tickets. We were right next to the conductor's booth. Um, so, you know, he's, he, he starts explaining and they go through our passports and they're like, visas, you know, where's our visas? And we don't know what's going on. So finally, this, the 12-year-old girl comes back, the same one that explained the Jackie Chan movie situation to us. She comes back and and explains this situation to us, which was like, we don't have visas to be here. And so we're like, okay, cool. So, you know, this isn't our first border disco. So where do we pay for visas? You know, is there, you know, can you just like stampy stamp and you know, like we're two Americans and a Canadian. Are you like, do you not know what that means? So apparently they didn't, or they didn't care or they kind of saw something different that we didn't see, like dollar signs. Because in any case, they wanted us to come with them and figure out the visa situation. Now, the New Yorker at this point was like super cool. She was a New Yorker, which was awesome. That's exactly what we needed. She just kind of had, she just suddenly got this attitude and all kinds of chutzpah that was like, no, we're staying put. This whole, this whole exchange was about two hours. So mind you, um, they grabbed our passports and left at one point, like left the train at one point. So I'm watching the bags because the New Yorker's up and yelling at him already. So the other person like kind of, you know, comes up for protection and they go to the door of the train and they're telling us we need to come with them. We need to leave the train. And the New Yorker's making stuff up like, no, before we left, we went to the embassy and the embassy said, never leave the train no matter what. That's a lie, but it turned out to be really smart. And I'll tell you right now, don't leave the train no matter what if you see people in full on Soviet Union uniforms after the year 2000. That's probably good advice. Instinctively, we're just like, no, no matter what happens, like we'll stop here at the border and walk back because we're at the Ukrainian border. 
we'll walk back, no problem. But we're not getting off the trains with these guys. People weren't really pushing it. Like people were kind of annoyed that, you know, we weren't really holding stuff up because, you know, it's, it's a border crossing and they were taking their time anyways. But after two hours, maybe, yeah, like maybe the whole train was just stopped because we refused to get off kind of thing. And eventually they came back and finally they said, okay, fine, here's our passports. We gave them the rest of, so we, we had like $3.50. And this is admitting to like horrible kind of bribery. If you give money to Russian separatists, but the thing is like, I already went to the, I went to the US embassy. I explained every, I've been to court for this. So don't come and arrest me. But yeah, I gave money to Russian separatists. I bribed them, I guess, apparently. But honestly, it was three euros and 50 cents. It was the change from five euros. And, and we had nothing like we, we they're like, OK, fine. So come with us. So they didn't stamp our passports, but they handed us our passports back. Then they were like, OK, but now come with us for security reasons. We got to check your bag. We don't trust three like 23 year olds, you know, just graduated college. Uh, we think you must be dangerous. And we're going to and we're just like, no, at this point, we'd been arguing with them for two hours through interpreters and stuff like interpreters, like a 12 year old girl and a conductor. And we tore our bags open and we we're just about to dump everything on the floor. And the conductor might have, must have like said something because finally he's just kind of like, and they're like, fine, and they left. Funniest part of this story maybe is that the guy, when as they're leaving, they're just like fuming that we didn't leave and they lost, you know, and we got our way. We, we stayed on the train and they didn't kidnap us. It was like three or four of them, you know, wearing uniforms like this. And one of them hits something and just like, bam, and it knocks it off. And like the girls saw it and they're just like, you know, just like, oh crap, like that's gonna be, that's gonna be enough that he comes back and just revenge gets us now. And he spun around and looked at him, but, and they just kind of bit their tongues. And I think that's the funniest part of the story, really, that he got his, but it, yeah, I mean, it's just petty, but this was bad. They were trying to kidnap us, which we didn't really, we still didn't really fully understand our danger or uh, what would have happened if we would have left the train. Since we didn't, I cannot actually tell you what would have happened for sure. But I can tell you what the U.S. Embassy told us would have happened and does happen pretty regularly, apparently. But we're not there yet. We're still three days away from talking to the U.S. Embassy. We do get back on the train and we have to switch trains and we and then it's only just like an hour or two or something. We're at the train station and we notice it's a weird train station because it's brand new, but there's hammers and sickles and we're just like, get us out of this country like this is bad. And we get to the Romanian border. So Moldova is just a sliver wherever I have it up here. It's just really tiny. We get to the Romanian border, just, you know, on the other side of the country, just in a couple hours later. And then they again look for our visas and they're like, where's your visa? Now, the weird thing here is that these Moldovan, maybe I forget if it was the Romanians or the Moldovans, but these guys were wearing white uniforms like the Ukrainians were, not like Soviet Union uniforms. So this was weird and they were also very friendly and they also kind of spoke, there was people that spoke English and it was a whole different situation, totally different vibe. And when they told us to leave the train, we left the train. This is the story of how I got interrogated with these uh, two girls in a proper Soviet era interrogation room. Well, I mean, let me, let me set the scene properly. So we do finally leave the train. The train is up on stilts because, you know, we're leaving the former Soviet Union into Romania which is just Warsaw Pact or their own communist deal. And so the, they're changing the chassis. They're putting the car in a different chassis on a narrower chassis. So it's up in the air and all that. So they got time to kill anyways. So why not interrogate like two Americans and a Canadian? It's always good times. And so they bring us to the old former like Soviet Union border house, border guard place, which is a big concrete block, just nondescript, scary kind of James Bond villain sort of uh, border guard house. And it's a dark 
concrete corridor just and we they take us to the room at the far end and it's just like a light bulb hanging from the ceiling and a desk like an interrogation desk and you know like there's the detective and we're the three suspects and there's a guard or you know border patrol or something sitting there we get questioned uh and finally he's like so how did you get here how did you get to chisinau how did you get here and you know how did all this happen and so we try to explain and we're like oh just straight up like odessa chisinau chisinau you know pretty straight uh you know train connection just odessa chisinau chisinau how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here, you know, here we sit and we're trying to get to Bucharest, you know, easy peasy. Just three Westerners traveling through and he asked us like weird things like have you did you come through Transnistria did you come through Tiraspol or whatever and we're like I don't we didn't even know this country existed you know like we you know seriously like at first um, so finally we make the mistake of busting out our map and showing him like look you idiot how many times do we have to say it we come from this city it's a straight line you know this city to here to here and that was what he wanted he wanted us to admit that we came through Transnistria. What is Transnistria? This little sliver of land right here, this little waste of space. I don't care, Russians can have it actually. Like it's just horrible. Transnistria is a weird place because if you go further east, like towards Russia, they suddenly speak Western Ukrainian dialect and then Eastern Ukrainian dialect and then Russian. So except for Transnistria, they actually speak Russian Russian and these guys are their own autonomous region and that's why they had green uniforms when the other moldovans had white uniforms for instance because they were doing their own thing and we started to piece this together so he was just like you came through this city at tiraspol and you know which is the border town and i guess that's what you call that hellhole, you know where we got 
you know, where they tried to get us to leave the train. Sure. Call it whatever you want. I mean, we looked at the map and we're like, yeah, I guess. I mean, it says around the map, the train tracks go through there. Must be that town. That's what he needed. So now we're suddenly suspects, uh, as in we wouldn't be sitting here um, in freedom, not kidnapped, if we hadn't given the Russian separatists some money, like a serious bribe. Like turns out uh, later, we, we, we didn't know this at the time, but uh, thousands of dollars. Like we were suspected of giving Russian separatists like thousands of dollars, $5,000 each was the number that the ambassador told us later. So, you know, $15,000 is what we were suspected of. And when he asked us, like, you know, did you give him money? We're like, yeah, we paid for visas, you know? It's like, what? And we're like, 12 lays. And he's like, 12,000 lays? And we're like, no, 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 like 12, you know? Like, here's the change. And we showed him like 80 lays, you know? So, you know, he's like, why is your map in Cyrillic? You know, and like, yeah, our fucking map was in Russian. It's like, you read Cyrillic? And finally, we had to really prove that we were idiots. Like, we pulled out the piece of paper that had the alphabet written on it. It's like, you speak Cyrillic? Why is this in Cyrillic? Obviously, you read Cyrillic. And we're like, no, 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 we can read this map only because, like, we needed to figure that much out because we need to be able to read street signs. You know, if you're traveling around, you, you got to be able to read street signs. So we know where our hotel is, what street it's on. Someone told us, you know, wrote it down in Latin letters. Now we got to find out where it actually is in Cyrillic on the street. So this was before none of us had GPS, you know. I don't think GPS existed in Ukraine at that time. But anyway, so we, you know, so we explained this to him and finally we're like, oh yeah, so here's how we figured it out from this Hebrew psalm book. Like here's the Hebrew alphabet, here's the, the Cyrillic, and then we figured out no, Latin, like, oh, that's Aleph in Hebrew, so that's A, that must be, you know, A in, in uh, Cyrillic. So that, and, you know, he's like, what? And then he's like, so why are you guys in Moldova? And we're like, we don't care about, sorry, no disrespect, but we're not in Moldova. Like, we're going from the Ukraine to Romania. Like, we want to see Dracula. We don't care about this place at all. Zero caring about Moldova. Didn't even know it existed two weeks ago. Three days ago, we didn't even know this place existed. Like, we bought a map. And then in Odessa, like after being on the road for, for 10 days, we had the map of our napkin. And about then is when I remembered, oh yeah. And I pulled out the napkin, which I, I still have in a scrapbook somewhere. And it shows a pretty accurate map of Eastern Europe um, with Moldova missing. <laughs> so yeah, finally he realized that we're just idiots. And so finally he kind of like got it. And he was like, okay, so you guys entered the country illegally and you, you guys are getting charged for that probably but what you can do is the nearest like consulate ish uh you know the nearest authority that can issue visas is like 30 kilometers that way so they stuck us in a cab and we're like go good luck he called ahead and they're like they close in 30 minutes and you're basically taking a gravel road because moldova really sucks so we we got there we actually got there and then they said yeah you made it in time but no we're not giving you a visa because you did actually come in the country illegally we do think you totally bribed those Russians. And so you're gonna have to go back to Chisinau and go to court, like deal with stuff. Um, so good luck, there's the US Embassy there and um, off you go. So good thing the taxi didn't leave because now it's like midnight and we gotta go back to the capital of this stupid country that's only yay wide. So we get back there by midnight and there's the security guard at the train station. It's like, oh, I thought you guys left. And cause he kind of knew us from earlier. And this guy, God bless him. This, like we were really, we really had a low opinion of Moldova and Moldovans at this point, thinking that Russians were Moldovans. Moldovans, by the way, are mostly, or the majority are ethnically Romanian. So 
A Romanian is a Romance language. Like they sound like Latin did back in the day, kind of like French, like French or Spanish or Italian. Okay, totally different than Slavic Russians. And I mean, I love Slavs. I lived the Czech Republic for ten years, but I and I love Russian people too. But I hate Russian separatists and the government and you know all that, the whole nine yard, what they represent and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, nothing against Russian people. But you could just tell this this guy was totally different culturally, everything. And he's like, oh, hey, remodeled train station, brand new, 2004. Brand new hammer and sickle, by the way. And he's like, uh, and it's, at, it's midnight, and we're like, we don't have any cash. And he's like, no problem. And he walks us, like, over the highway, across the street, you know, half mile away, to the nearest bankomat that's open at midnight, withdraws some money. He's like, I need money, too. And he withdraws some money, you know, too, bless his heart. And on the way back, he's like, oh. Moldovan delicatessen and we get like these horrible well I shouldn't say that but it was some of the worst chocolates I ever had but you know they try and and god bless them and um, a jar of pickles because it was like just one of the things we recognize is like yeah that's edible and Eastern Europe and pickled stuff is a thing so yeah and it was midnight and we were kind of hungry so we got like pickles and chocolates and and it is a, it was a new train station and we were very lucky and fortunate to have that the next morning we found out that the water just reeks of sulfur and we did now from here on out in the story smelt of rotten eggs badly like so in the beginning of the story and this is kind of karma because in the beginning of the story you go to places like budapest or even prague in the summer and they're all on the trams and not like they're unhygienic it's not like france in the 70s you know kind of like woof kind of thing but but it is pretty bad and you, i mean it's just people are closer than they are than we're used to here in our cars and air conditioned everything and just like forget the word air conditioning so six weeks out of the years it's just kind of like bo hell and we made fun of that and now people are like avoiding us because we just reeked of rotten eggs and at least we were like stinky rich because as soon as we opened our mouths and they realized they were american we were americans and canadian which is also american um, they served us anyways and if i start getting snooty about canadians being americans you haven't heard the whole story yet, so trust me, y'all are. We couldn't, so the first day, we smell of rotten eggs now, we go from hotel to hotel, Soviet era, you know, the nicest hotel, we start at the top. We're like, yeah, what's the four seasons, four ski season skis of Russia? You know, we want, we want like the, the highest, the top, and this is former Soviet Union proper, like we haven't left the former Soviet Union yet, they didn't let us leave the country. So now we're in Moldova against our will, looking for a hotel. And every time we go to the reception and we hand them our passports, they're like, oh yeah, no problem. It's This hotel's empty, you know, and pick any room you want. And we're just like, yeah, cool. Give us the penthouse, you know, each, because it's like nothing. We got the, the highest, the most expensive bottle of wine was like $4 in the best restaurant in town. And local Moldovan wine, that's one thing they got going for them. Moldova, um, to say one nice thing about them is Chisinau has the longest wine cellar in the world. It's like two kilometers of an underground cellar. And I think it's like, I mean, it's it's Knights Templar or, or from the, you know, those medieval like crusader days. I believe it's actually a Knights Templar like wine cellar. And that's still operational and you can see it and that's amazing. And they do know their wines, just like Romanians and Hungarians arguably do. Um, we had that going for us that it was like a total second world country where it cost us you know, $4 for the best wine they had, and it was really good wine. And steak dinners and all that were the same, you know, $4 for the best steak dinner in town. But we go to reception to buy the best penthouse in town, and they're like, where's your visas? No visa, no hotel room. This is like a Soviet era kind of like where it's not freedom of travel. There's You can't just like anonymously log into a hotel. 
um, you know, kind of thing. And there's no such thing as a motel kind of, you know, it's like, no, no, no. So um, we were back at the, so we, you know, checked out of the train station and then checked back in. The guy's like, oh, hey, what's happening? And we're like, oh, I guess we're back. Probably at this point, probably there was some emergency number we could have called, but we just didn't. Like, we knew the embassy it was Saturday. It just happened to be Friday night at midnight, our first night. And then, you know, Saturday and everything was kind of closed. And we found an internet cafe, started Googling, you know, found Wikipedia. Um, even 2005, there was a decent amount of information on Moldova. And we started to, like, fill in the gaps. I'll save that <laughs> enlightening history for... Uh, what the ambassador's translator told us. So they, we did get, get a history lesson at some point, but at this point, we're just still just like trying to find a hotel, trying to make life a little bit better, try to get out of that sulfur shower, basically. And I'm just making the best out of it, drinking a lot of wine and this and that, and, you know, wandering around Moldova. We went to an old communist museum. If I can find some pictures, I'll flash them up here, if I remember. Uh, it was pretty cool. I sat inside a MiG. I sat inside, you know, old, um, like, Soviet Hummer kind of Jeeps and that kind of thing. Like, old missile launchers with the missiles still on them. Really neat. Um, as far as, you know, you got to do what you got to do. See the, see the local history and all that. And it was cool. So we kind of enlightened ourselves on what Moldova is. And really, Moldova was just a chunk broken off of Romania um, as part of the Molotov-Ribbentrop treaty. So when Hitler and Stalin signed a non-aggression pact, that was basically a piece of Romania went to Soviet Union. So there's also the state of Moldova in Romania, which is a part of Romania. Just like Transylvania, where Dracula is from, is part of a, it's a Romanian state, a province kind of thing. So is Moldova. But then there's also the independent Republic of Moldova, which used to be the socialist Soviet of Moldova. That was done in Hitler's time. So we started to piece together the history and they really, they sent communist, like staunch communist Russians as colonists west to make that furthest western outpost like staunchly Soviet Union. So that's why, that, that's not an accident. It was totally designed that way in Stalin days and then Khrushchev and all that in the 70s that went on for decades. They, you know, this was like a super conservative um, Soviet kind of outpost in Romanian-speaking areas. So that's that's how, that's what Transnistria is. But wait, there's more. It gets better, but we didn't know, we didn't know the whole, so now we just kind of had questions like, well, how did this even happen? If they're autonomous, why isn't there another border? And you know, this and that. And we had to wait until Monday to get those questions answered. And finally, Monday, whatever it was, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., whenever the embassy opens for real and it's not like emergency hours or whatever, we finally wander in there. Turns out, Canadians, if you're out in the world and you ever need help, you know who to call. That's right. The U.S. Embassy, because we'll help you out. Turns out Canadians are just U.S. citizens with a different passport. It really is true. So totally no sweat. They helped the Canadian like she was a citizen. Now, people that know me, people that have heard me talk, know that I hate... Like, I grew up in Munich, and I, like, the first piece of history I learned was Nazi history, and I just hate the word, like, nationalist, and I hate being... Like, I grew up in Germany, and I lived 10 years in Czech Republic, and uh, only like 15 years or so in, in Oregon, in, in California and Oregon. So I've lived 20 years in Europe, 15 years in the States. I, I, nationalist of what? Germany, Czech Republic, America? And I don't even like the word patriot because it, doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like national governments by any means or anything. Except for in this one story. In this one story, let me tell you. 
Suddenly, so it's like three days of hell, three days of stress, smelling like sulfur, and behind bulletproof glass, this was the first person that didn't look at us like we just stank because he couldn't smell us. He was behind bulletproof glass, the ambassador and the, you know, the staff. But then eventually they brought out the actual ambassador. So we met the U.S. ambassador of Moldova. And then he explains to us more. And he's like, yeah, this, first of all, happens every month. So if you're out there listening, watching this because this happened to you, contact me like tell me in the comments or whatever and people that see that upvote it but otherwise like you know write to like contact me for reals like figure out how to you know tweet at me or something i'm uh at podcast nick or something on twitter and tell me like did you actually get you know did you have to pay so they told us like had we left the train they wouldn't have let us back on they wouldn't let us go until we paid five thousand dollars each that's what the u.s ambassador told us um, so I'm quoting the U.S. Embassy in Moldova. And he says this happens once a month. It does. It happens. And because there's no border there, because having a border would be granting them independence. So nobody recognizes Moldova except for other Russian separatist places like that thing in Georgia, like Southern Osatia. Those three countries recognize Transnistria. Otherwise, nobody does. That's what he said. That's why giving them a border would be like recognizing their independence. So you can't do that. So you just have to like, there's just this gray area. They are autonomous, but really the legal standing is a ceasefire in a civil war that ended in like 1992, like right after the Iron Curtain fell. Basically there was a civil war. Moldovans won, sort of, because there was a ceasefire. I wouldn't say they won. Like the way that the ambassador told us is like, oh, the Moldovans won, but it obviously wasn't a clear, decisive victory because there was a ceasefire and then it just kind of like, it's been simmering for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, they do print their own currency. They have their own postal service and stamps and they have their own license plates and they have their own DMV service. So they're totally their own country, except their whole economy is based off of gun running, drug smuggling, black market activity, smuggling stuff into Europe. It's a backdoor into Europe. They're really close to Romania, who's a European member. So it's just perfect for the, you know, it's a Russian mafia front. They have a whole country that is like run by the Russian mob, basically. A little side job they got running is every time American tourists come through, like dumbass kids wearing flip-flops and shorts, they try to kidnap them. And with a very high success rate because of Three people in a, you know, Soviet uniform tell you to yell at you to get off the train for two hours. Most people kind of do, but God bless that New Yorker. Anyways, yeah, so we're told like, yeah, we were really lucky and, um, you know, it was really cool that <laughs> he's like, oh, maybe we should tell people to not leave the train. Like, yeah, because we lied about it. We're like, we said the embassy in Prague told us. Yeah, anyways, so I got, so then got outside, you know, and it's like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna set you up with the translator. You're getting a Moldovan police escort that'll walk you around to court. We had to go to court. Like we broke the law inadvertently or whatever, but yeah, there was like criminal charges against us and they weren't gonna let us leave the country until we got this taken care of. So we had to go to court with a translator from the US embassy and police escort who, and it took us like nine hours to go from it. At one point, so we went to court to deal with criminal charges um, including like, you know, bribing Russian separatists and stuff, really bad charges, uh, then going to the embassy and just getting the visa. So then it was like, okay, we're clear to charges. Now let's go get our visa taken care of. That took another three hours where they took our passports away. We just didn't have them. 
but we were with people from the U.S. Embassy, like it was okay. We stopped sweating bullets kind of thing, but um, after three days, finally. Uh, but I'll tell you, now I've never been so happy in my life. So Moldova, imagine like a bunch of Russian-made like Ladas and German-made, East German like Trabants, the rich ones were driving Trabants. Some Škodas if you had some money, um, you know, from the 80s, 70s, 60s, like really ancient cars. And then this full, and I got to show a picture here, props, I'm not even, I'm a Ford guy, but King Cab Chevy Silverado rolled up, which is a limousine of pickup trucks. Full leather, you know, bench seats, so it could easily sit six people, except that the front middle seat was just like this radio system of, you know, just like CIA goodness. And uh, the three of us are like crunching the back, translator in the front, they set us up with the driver, and we got driven around for like nine hours. I mean, it was a full business day. Uh, Monday, uh, that was it. And then finally, we're like, screw the train, screw Bucharest. We got on a flight the next morning to Air Moldova, and an Antonov B-29, you can look that up, that's a sketchy-ass propeller plane, Russian-made. Antonovs are not, don't ever get into an Antonov, just like, I don't even need to like slander, libel them. You just go ahead and Wikipedia their track record. <laughs> like I used to work for avionics parts and we, we couldn't sell them parts because that's just a liability waiting to happen. So anyways, we were on the plane thinking we're going to die. The whole plane's rattling, you know, kind of as propeller planes do. You're not really used to propeller planes these days. But that was a sketchy one and a very ancient one. Air Moldova, worst flight I was ever on. Yeah, made it back to Prague. And when we got back to Prague, part of the story that I really shouldn't leave out is the karma where it's, you know, summer, August, and everyone's just like, on the trams, like on the metros, like just dying because these three foreigners that smell of sulfur so bad. And we just, you know, we got home and took showers and had to like burn our clothes. We just stank. And we, I never made fun of like Czech BO again. I mean, I totally did. But for the story's sake, I learned my lesson. It was a humbling experience. Now, the thing is, is that, yeah, that does happen every once in a while. The, so that, Moldova has a whole history of back and forth from like 1940 when Molotov-Ribbentrop treaty happened and you know Hitler-Stalin to the Soviet Union to breaking out in civil war in 1992 to the ceasefire that is a long time and the translator told us like I mean we're walking by like Adidas stores and Puma and you know it was 2005 it's a totally modern thing and she's like oh yeah so the communist party is still in power and I kind of I've gotten you know then I lived 10, 10 years in Czech Republic and I, I kind of know a lot more about this now they're a democratic party Party. You know, they're one of many parties, but they still exist. They do in Czech Republic too. They are voted for by the kind of older generation because the one thing communists had was like worker rights up there was like, there was no competition. You couldn't get fired or nothing. Um, you didn't really have to do anything at work, but it also, your, there was rent control and milk and bread was cheap, you know, like five, if it was available. And so people kind of like nostalgicize communism, which is no, super bad. Um, but th so they voted for the Communist Party as a free market. The Communist Party of Moldova is a free market, totally capitalistic enterprise kind of party. But they call themselves that for it's just good PR. The old folks vote for them that way. And I don't know how it is now, but yeah. So, you know, in 2005, they were putting up brand new ha hammers and sickles in this democratic country. Um, and it was surreal. And then we went to the big memorial to the Civil War and they had eternal flames. And I got pictures of that. They might be appearing here. I don't know. Depends on if I was able to dig them up or not. It's 2005. Um, but yeah, we got back to Prague all in one piece. It's pretty sweet. The countries that recognize Transnistria are 
Abkhazia, Abkhazia, however you pronounce that, South, South Ossetia, um, Artsakh. Those are all these, um, they're called frozen conflict zones. It's the post-Soviet, so it's always like Russian separatists that, you know, didn't agree with Gorbachev's like policies and the collapse of Soviet Union and just like suddenly fought. Like, yeah, just had an independence movement, a pro-Russian movement. And now those kind of things are backed by Putin. I don't want to like put my neck out there too far, but the whole Crimea thing and what's happening in the eastern Ukraine right now. So we see that, you know, now it's again backed by the Russian state. Maybe it always was since 92, who knows, but uh, it definitely is backed by the Russian mafia. Like it's good business to have a little breakaway country like this. If you can survive the civil war and you make it to an autonomous region and you start printing your own currency, that's a good business model for... uh, yeah, for like just the mob, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. It is, uh, I mean, Transnistria is kind of like, it's a semi-presidential republic. I don't, I couldn't tell you what that means. I think it's more like an oligarchy with a figurehead. It's basically mafia run as far as I can really understand. But they have a like military police who I believe I encountered. Um, the parliament and, you know, their whole, they got their own DMVs. They got their own flag, obviously, their own constitution. You could... You can go research this thing. The thing is, I have kind of a grudge against them because the only people I met that were actually Transnistrian and my little stint in Tiraspol uh, was not pleasant. So, you know, whatever. But Chisinau, Moldova, man, I don't want to, especially the countryside. I think they're a little bit backwards, but it's definitely worth a visit. All those Eastern European countries are. Ukraine, of course, is um, amazing in its own way. It's unfor- it's, it's a kind of poverty-stricken area. like. Like I, like I said, the electricity goes out at five and all that, but they hate Russians too, so I don't hate Russians. I like Russian people. They hate the Russian government too. That's always a good place to be. Do you have a similar story? Let us know in the comments and don't forget to subscribe and all that good stuff. This is a pretty new channel, so we really appreciate your support. Definitely check by podcastnick.com. We do lots and lots of... So this is a story from myself. I do have a couple of crazy adventure stories like this. Just go to podcastnick.com. We have some 430 history podcast episodes under our belt from alchemy and the history of science and a weird occult to the secret cabinet. And there'll be a lot of stories from that on this YouTube channel eventually, uh, which is weird history, like super weird, scurrilous history that I don't know who my audience is yet. So I'm not even going to mention that it's like the foreskin of Jesus and Napoleon's penis and stuff. Um, lactating Saint, lactating Virgin Mary, like totally inappropriate for this uh, show. So I'm not going to mention none of that. But mm. history of Germany is probably my most successful show. And spread the word. We got the history of Germany and Arabic is our latest edition. It's really not so bad. I got it's not so bad. I got pretty. That's like decent. You see? Yeah. Cute. Sure. If you're still hungry for more history. Check out the popular videos on Podcast Nick and Bohemian YouTube channels. It's like, there's more. Definitely more. Give the idea that there was an alchemist lab here. Well, that about the furnace. Maybe they're over here. Maybe they're over here. I don't know. Don't forget to subscribe. That's definitely here or here, depending on how you're watching this. If you subscribe, you won't miss nothing. And if it says subscribed already, shucks. Oh, you guys. Our graphic designer is also way more talented than we are, so do check out the merch. We try to get creative with what we offer, and sometimes we can pass on special offers from our sponsors, which we try to track there at podcastnickshop.com. And thanks for watching. Like, I feel like this sets, this sets the wrong expectation, and I never...
because now they're gonna always want me to dress up like this. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.